Uh, so we're in this series called Discipleship in a Digital Age, and we thought to kick off 2023, it would be important for us to really think about technology, our use of technology, specifically digital media, screens, uh, so that we have a fighting chance as a community, as families, as individuals to uh, move towards spiritual formation and human flourishing, because we're kind of in a lethargy and, and gripped by our uh, media usage. So... Last week, Josh, uh, Pastor Josh gave a great talk on how we're being shaped, even down to like the neurological realities, what's happening with the addiction to screens and the dopamine hits and how much we're just, just grabbing the phone and all the things. I mean, I remember when I first started having those phantom rings, you know, like, and you're like, oh, what's happening? Oh, no one's calling or whatever. Now it's in my watch, not on my phone. So um, I don't know if that's better or not or worse. So that was last week, so go check that out. All of our stuff's online. We do use technology, so it is available. We've recorded it, amplified it, put it online for your viewing pleasure, okay? This week, we're going to talk about not how we're being shaped, but shaping our spaces. So how can we shape our spaces? So much more proactive. How do we shape our spaces for spiritual formation and human flourishing. So kind of the the big idea that we'll dig into is that we desperately need to establish parameters around our use of technology, both personally for our families and even corporately for our community of faith. Uh, And we need to do this to even give us a fighting chance to move towards spiritual formation and human flourishing. So just shaping our spaces isn't going to be exactly the thing that brings human flourishing and spiritual formation, but it will at least give us a fighting chance to then build upon uh, the time and the intention and the presence that we've uh, hopefully cultivated to be able to grow and to fully experience uh, what it is supposed to be to be fully human, fully alive. Of course, Christ is the most uh, demonstrable uh, example of a, of a human, right? And, and we are made, we are image bearers. That is true of everyone, no matter what their faith journey is. But we're also, uh, that image has been broken and shattered, and we are then to conform again to the image of Christ. And so that's the direction we want to we wanna head. There's a great book uh, by a guy named Andy Crouch uh, called The TechWise Family, Everyday Steps for Putting Technology in Its Proper Place. And uh, some people think of it as sort of the Bible of, uh, you know, d- discipleship in a digital age. And so he's put together a rubric in there for evaluating our use of technology. Because we're not, we're not going to just um, jettison all technology. I mean, we, we can't do that. Like, we need pacemakers. We need... Um, all sorts of technology. We need modern science, you know. We need practices that are technology that things like surgery. We need amplification uh, and, and, and all these things. So the goal is not to just get rid of technology, but to evaluate it and leverage it for kingdom purposes and not to allow it to degrade our humanity. So uh, this was helpful to me. It, it might get a little tedious, but... Technology is in its proper place compared to when technology is out of place. 
And so uh, this, this might be helpful to you and, and all of our notes and PowerPoints are online, so don't feel like you have to jot it down. However, note-taking is, is particularly helpful in rewriting our neurological pathways. So as, as much as we can get back to analog, pen-to-paper, physical activity in our learning, the better. So technology is in its proper place when it helps us bond with real people that we have been given to love. But it's out of place when it is used to bond with people at a distance, like celebrities whom we will never meet. Remember Maris said to me once, like, I feel like LeBron James could be our friend, you know? Like, well, I'm not really close to him, although sometimes I feel like I'm, you know, bonding with him in a way. But technology can be super helpful in, in, in form, helping us bond with real people. I remember years ago, this is 2009, I was sitting at a conference about international student ministry uh, at Azusa Pacific in Southern California. And while I'm sitting there listening to a, a, a seminar about, you know, kingdom work globally, um, you know, advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ, I was interacting on Facebook Messenger with a Saudi friend who was in Saudi Arabia, just talking about our faith and all this. And I thought, it just hit me. Technology is powerful and can be used for the purposes of God and in, in, in building relationships and even discipleship. I remember uh, we, we had a Bible study with a, a lot of, especially with Chinese students that were involved in our Saturday morning Bible study. And one of the conversations at the time was like, well, what about security concerns with our usage of technology, with Facebook, and what's happening when these students who are here, who are learning and growing spiritually head home, and maybe there's some concern. And we, we were trying to figure out what it looked like as leaders to engage, but then all of the students in our Bible study were going online and just tagging themselves in all the photos about the Bible and learning about Jesus, which was a huge security risk. So it was like, this is, this is awesome. Uh, they're wanting to connect, but there's also danger and concern. So technology in its proper place, real relationships, and it's out of place when it's not forming real relationships. Technology in its proper place, when it starts great conversations, uh, like the one I described with my, my Saudi friend, as opposed to out of place when it prevents us from talking and listening to one another. Have you ever experienced technology getting in the way of a meaningful conversation? Yes, I, yes, like I, there's actually studies out there that are demonstrating that, that kids are growing up in homes uh, where there's, it's like they have another person in the, the marriage relationship they're competing for time with, and it's the phones. And uh, I know we always get, well, we tend to get kind of down on our kids and frustrated with them and their, you know, so-called addiction to screens, but really, they, I found that it's the kids who are wanting the parents to set aside the screens and be focused and present and engaged. And in fact, we are the adults. We should set that tone and set that pace. Um, but it can be used for great things, starting conversations. Uh, technology is in its proper place when it helps us take care of these bodies that we inhabit, um, as opposed to out of place when it keeps up or it promises to help us escape the limits and vulnerabilities of our bodies altogether. So there, there are helpful apps, you know, like I, I track my sleep. I don't know if it's helpful or not, but I can kind of see, well, look, 
I need more sleep based on the data. And I can lean into that. It actually can be, can be beneficial. But we totally understand the, uh, when we're looking for that great experience, you know, like we're hiking mountains virtually or whatever, and it's not doing anything for our physical bodies, but yet we're promised this experience. That is out of place uh, use of technology. Next, technology in its proper place when it helps us acquire skill and mastery of domains that are the glory of human culture, like athletic sports, music, the arts, cooking, writing, accounting. And there's ways to use technology. Like some people, um, I've, I've learned they're learning how to play piano on some really helpful YouTube uh, tutorials. That's great, as long as you're not just watching it and then pretend that you know how to play piano because you watched it, like, yes, but you can actually learn a lot and, and become a more folk human and cultural engagement, cultural development. Um, but it's out of place when it replaces the development of skill with passive consumption. So like in this regard, there's probably some video games that are better than others because some of them are more engaging and building skill set where some of them are much more mindless and just passive consumption. So I think you get the idea. And lastly, technology in its proper place helps us cultivate awe for the created world that we're a part of and responsible for stewarding. Out of place is when it keeps us from engaging the wild and wonderful natural world with all of our senses. So your your Peloton screen that kind of prompts you and gets you excited, if it pushes you to, if you're using that just, you know, as needed working, but then it pushes you like, hey, I actually want to go explore this wide world with my senses. That's probably a good usage of technology. But if if we're just trapped behind that screen, it's out of place. And all of this requires great intention and care with how we're going to engage it. Because there's a lot of really smart people with a lot of, lot of money working very hard to basically make your attention and you the product. Um, and so we, we actually need to give great attention and care to this issue. Wanted to revisit briefly, um, and hopefully you were able to give some thought to this last Sunday, a few of the questions that Josh posed for us. So I've, I've taken some out and I've added a few. So questions for consideration. Here, week two of discipleship in a digital age. So our technology, our digital media, um, how is it shaping me? So maybe you could even jot this down or make a mental note. When do you first pick up a device in the day? When do you last put the device down? How long can you go in a day or how long do you go in a day without looking at a screen? And how many consecutive hours in a week do you go without a screen? Just kind of getting the pulse of your own practice just to consider. And these questions, how is our use of technology or digital media shaping us? So the question, what activities do I enjoy with friends and loved ones which don't involve a screen or device? So what hobbies, what practices do you Like, if you think back on this last week, when were you engaged with friends and family, not on a device? And then I've added this question. What activities 
do I enjoy with friends and loved ones which do involve a screen or device? That's much better use of a screen or device than doing that activity alone. Um, There were several of us guys that we planned a, a movie night to see Avatar, The Way of Water, visually stunning. And um, of course, if you go see a movie with someone, you just like sit there and hopefully you don't engage with one another. Like, you know, someone starts talking, you're like, dude, do not talk to me. This is a movie. Like, this is just about being physically present, focused on the screen, right? And that's better. That, there's something still about that shared experience because we are embodied souls. So just being physically present can be good. So when we do that movie night, though, I like to throw on uh, dinner beforehand at Who Hot so, so that we can actually have a meaningful conversation around four or five bowls of Mongolian barbecue and then go sit for three to four hours uh, in, in it. So, so that was an example of an activity I enjoyed actually with some friends this last week involving a screen that I felt positive about. And then what activities do I do alone which involve a screen or device? So for your consideration, just think back to your last week. And our questions for next steps. And this is what Josh posed last week. What are some sustainable rhythms that I can implement in pursuit of digital equilibrium or just parameters around technology that's actually gonna set me up for success in this human endeavor? And then also, what are some sustainable rhythms that we together in our homes but also as a church family, can implement in pursuit of digital equilibrium. And I actually think that um, we have the opportunity to lead forward in culture. A lot of people, people that don't even uh, believe Jesus was a real person or not following Christ, are really concerned about the issue of technology and digital media. And I think this is an area, point of connection, common ground, where we can actually uh, lean forward and help others um, uh, connect better, which is what we want, right? Because then there's a chance for spiritual connection too. So as we move forward this morning, I'm going to pray for us. And um, last Sunday, Josh um, did a quote from ChatGPT, which I was already planning on doing. I was already working on that for this talk, which was, was kind of awesome. Um, and so I actually typed into the AI writer, write a prayer, asking for help in developing sustainable rhythms in pursuit of digital equilibrium. I had to watch an ad, and now let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the amazing gifts of technology that you've given us. We thank you for the ways that it has connected us and allowed us to grow and learn. We ask for your help in developing sustainable rhythms in pursuit of digital equilibrium. Help us to find balance in our lives so that we can be productive and healthy in our use of technology. Give us the wisdom to know when to turn off our devices and be present in the moment. Help us to focus on the important things and to be mindful of our time. Show us the ways to use technology to bring us closer to you and to each other. We pray for your guidance and protection as we strive to find harmony in our digital lives. Amen. Amen. Yeah. 
So kind of an odd experience, right, to pray a prayer written by AI being led by one of the pastors of our church. Um, and I, it's, it's a little gimmicky. I'm sure we'll move on past that um, in um, our sermon series. But, but, you know, that was a good prayer. I prayed it from my heart. So I think that was good, you know. But it's a little odd, isn't it? So our main passage this morning, Romans 12. So if you have a, if you have a hard copy, uh, you get bonus points today. If you have a hard copy of the scriptures, you know, you're, you're, you know, feel the movement of the pages, turn to Romans. Uh, it's in the New Testament, Romans chapter 12. And if you have a device, you're welcome to pull that up in front of you. But we'll also have it on two really large screens right up here at the front of the room for your convenience. So this is Paul's words after he's gone on and on for 11 chapters about the good news of the gospel. Gospel, in a nutshell, is uh, uh, what you could not do for yourself. God has done for you in Jesus Christ. So we've sinned, we've fallen short from uh, the glory of God, and and we need a pathway back to relationship with him that we cannot uh, manage ourselves. So Christ came in the flesh, physically present in the flesh. Um, and he lived the perfect life, died a gruesome death, and then rose again uh, on our behalf. And in light of all that, this is what Paul says to us. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view, in light of God's mercy that we've read about here for 11 chapters, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So, Offer all of us. We are embodied souls. We are soul and body. And he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So think about the fact that 95% plus of the decisions we make every day, don't have a clear biblical answer. Like you can't flip there and say, hey, this tells me what to do. Like when to shut my screen off or that. And Josh pointed that out last week. Jesus didn't talk about technology. Um, There's no mention of smartphones, smartwatches, pacemakers, cars, airplanes, none of that. So does that mean that God wasn't thinking ahead when his spirit inspired the scriptures that you hold in your hand or on your phone? Not at all. He's given us all that we need to mature and walk in the good works he's given us through his scripture and through his spirit. In fact, he tells us this much in uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. He says, all of scripture is God-breathed, is God-spired. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. So the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So somehow our engagement with scripture is to help teach us and train us to be transformed in our mind. And our culture is working very, very hard to transform your mind, to shape your mind. Some of what we learned about last week, the neurological pathways in your mind literally being shaped, physically hardwired by what our culture is pulling you towards And a lot of that has to do with the technology we engage with. Whereas Paul is saying that we are to be 
transformed by the renewing of our mind. So his assumption is that your mind has been degraded. Even back then, uh, when there were no screens to dominate our periphery and right in front of us, even then, the culture was shaping minds. But how much more now with the, the, this crazy advance of technology we've experienced in the last two generations and for sure the last 10 years? So the, the call to the, the follower of Christ is to experience transformation of the mind so that we know what God's will is, his perfect, pleasing will, so we can walk in those good works as a fully formed human being. I like uh, verse two, how Eugene Peterson puts it in his uh, paraphrase, the message. Eugene Peterson passed away not too long ago. Prolific, wonderful author, very pastoral. And I, I like sometimes reading his take on these passages. So this is what he says. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. So, do you know that mindless scroll? That's like fitting into it without even thinking. Um, instead, fix your attention on God. And he's got to, you know, it's got to be an exhortation because it's not going to happen naturally. So fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you. Quickly respond to it unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings out the best in you, or brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So our culture will push us and drag us towards immaturity. And specifically that, that, that algorithm, you know, on Facebook and YouTube, it's moving us to just like the, the goofiest, well, not to even mention the sexually explicit content, just the, the immature, you know, stuff that's just like, it's hilarious. Sometimes, you know, let's take a break, laugh at the things, but it is moving us towards immaturity, whereas God wants to move us towards maturity, conformity to the image of his son. So our culture is, uh, just tends to relish instant gratification, and despise delayed gratification. And that's really what the promise of technology is, is that things can come easy to you, will be done for you, and you just have to sit back and enjoy. Enjoy what, though, right? We're humans. We're here. We're, we're designed to work, to grow, mature. So we will gravitate to the path of least resistance, and that's usually not a good thing or a healthy thing. So here's a, a slightly extended quote in the TechWise family, Andy Crouch. He says, technology emerges from the amazing success of modern science and the hard work of scientists. But it's not like science at all. Science is hard. Technology is easy. All this happened for practical purposes in about two generations. In the most fundamental ways, we're still like every other human that's ever lived, like every generation before us. We are made for relationship with one another and our maker. Like every generation before us, we live in bodies that are both beautiful and burdensome. Thousands of years ago, Moses, man of God, wrote these words. The days of our life are 70 years, perhaps 80, if we're strong. Even then, their span is only toil and trouble. They're soon gone and we fly away. And these words are as true for our time as they were for his. 
But in one central respect, we're living a life that even our grandparents never imagined and could not fully understand. I think about technology now, and when I was growing, I'm not a grandparent yet. Um, And it's crazy to me. I remember when I thought, I looked around an airplane once, I thought, there's going to come a time when people are going to be watching whatever they want front of them. And I was like, it's just, I, I thought, it's just, pornography is going to be just rampant. It's going to be, t- you know. And then fast forward five years later, I looked around in the airplane and everyone is just, that is how fast technology, I can't imagine what it's like for Ron Goodman back there. <laughs> yes. Oh, he's a grand, he's a grandpa, so. A world in which the technological dream of easy everywhere has come true and is coming true before our very eyes. In our grandparents' era, travel by air was rare, exclusive, slightly dangerous, but now it's one of the safest things you can do with your day. Like, if you want to stay safe, just go fly airplanes, you know, fly around the world. You'll be very safe. It seems likely that in a few years, another form of transportation will make a similarly grand leap from tool-lie to technology-tool-like, sorry, to alike, to technology-like, from requiring skill to working all by itself in the form of driverless cars, which will really be automobiles, things that go by themselves. In our grandchildren's era, travel by car, currently one of the most dangerous things you can do with your day, may become as safe and passive as travel or air travel is for many of us today. Think about that. And that will have benefits. That will be good. Um, but it will also come with a certain cost. It says, we are in the midst of the greatest revolution in easy everywhere the world has ever known, and it may just be getting started. All that would be fine in its place. Actually, it is fine. It's just not the best thing for our families. So easy everywhere. We have to evaluate this. We have to scrutinize this. And we have to take charge and take proactive steps uh, to, to really in, put parameters around our use of technology if we have a fighting chance to become fully human. So I just want to spend the rest of our time sharing a few uh, practical um, ideas. And uh, as you listen you know, to me talk, you may just take one thing. You, know, you might just say, this is the one thing this week that I'm really going to focus on. I would not say try to implement and make all of these changes at once. I think we have time. Let's tackle this incrementally and let's have conversation around them, especially conversations in our homes with our significant others, with our friends and with one another. So these uh, rules of thumb, they come from Screen Sanity, which is a very uh, helpful resource, uh, actually an organization um, based in Kansas City, I believe. And so these are called the start, oops, Rules of thumb from Screen Sanity. So S-T-A-R-T. So if you still take notes old school, you can just write S-T-A-R-T down the side of your page and uh, jot these down. So one, start with yourself. So we're to model healthy tech use for your kids. And this is designed for families, but this will apply to all of us, to any of us, okay? T, tables and bedtimes. Create device-free zones. A, accountability, apply filters and settings. R, ride, practice, drive, use a driver's ed approach to tech training. And T, time well spent, time invested, connect online and also offline. 
So let's, let's consider these a little. So first, start with yourself. Uh, the other night, um, I, I got to go to the K-State, Oklahoma State game. Who else was there? Awesome game, epic game. I probably should not have been there because I was walking around City Park having a wonderful conversation with my wife, you know, screen-free, pretty close, but I got an alert on my watch. I couldn't help but look down, and a friend in town was offering me four free tickets. It was 5.20 p.m., tip-off is at 6 p.m., so immediately, Maris sharing her heart with me was over, and I was in, yes, I'll take the tickets. How do I get them? Who's going to go with me? All the things. Um, so I should not have been there. That was an example. Competing values, right? Presence with my wife, but yet she was supportive of me experiencing this, this uh, K-State game with, with some neighbors. Um, all that to say, I shouldn't have been there, but I was. Okay, I came home. I came home from the, the uh, epic victory over OSU. I'm super bummed they lost yesterday to TCU because Tuesday night's going to be fun, right? You guys are like, just get on to the point. Okay. <laughs> I came home. Uh, I'm, I'm eating uh, with the family. They had been playing Nerds, which is a game the kids in Maris enjoy, card game. You know, it's very fast-paced, a little too fast-paced for me. And we were going to go back to playing Nerds, a family night, engaging around the dinner table, screen-free, uh, playing a game. I looked up, and I'm pretty sure Maris had her phone out first. I don't know. We can debate about this. So Kate's saying, no, it wasn't her. Somehow we came across a funny reel that we all had to look at, and our whole family is engaged in hilarious reel after reel. And I'm thinking, the kids are great. They're loving it. We're connecting. Yes, it's on a screen, but this is awesome. Well, that night when I'm, I'm putting my 14-year-old daughter to bed, Kate, and she just says, you know, I'm disappointed that we didn't go back to playing games. And we were on the screens as a family. And I got defensive. I was like, you were laughing. We were all laughing, you know. But here she is saying, dad, please lead our family. Please shepherd our family. We want to connect. It doesn't have to be screens. Put the phone away. And I was defensive, and I reflected later. I said, I need to, to lead out in my family. I need to start with myself, all of these things, and kind of get my stuff together uh, so that I can help set the tone and pace and not be a hypocrite. My kids are usually right when they're accusing me of hypocrisy, and it, it's, 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 it's tough. I mean, there, if, if there's anything we've done right as parents, it's, it's to help our kids develop a strong voice and observing the environment and, and understanding what's happening. I got to share this real quick. Um, one time at the pool, Maddox, you know, there's some other people there, and he's like, hey, this is my dad. And he just goes like this and walks right into the pool. You know, he's just, hey, this is what my dad is like. And I couldn't argue. I was like, you yeah, it's pretty much... Um, so a healthy relationship to technology and digital media in my home will begin with me, will begin with Maris and I as we set the tone and the pace. Tables and bedtimes. So this is really the, the shaping space, shaping our space when you walk into your home. And these things apply too to like when you go out to eat with someone. I know some people say, hey, all the phones go on the middle of the table, no one's touching them. I mean, we can set those parameters as community as well. So in the TechWise uh, book, he says, we wake up, and he's talking about commitments for his family. We wake up before our devices do. 
and they go to bed before we do. I mean, our phones and, and things and devices are increasingly personified because of the promises they make. I mean, my Samsung Galaxy S5 in 2014 was billed as the life companion. And I was like, well, this kind of functions as my life companion, along with my wife, you know? <laughs> so think of it that way. Put your screens to sleep at least 30 minutes before you go to sleep. Put them to bed. And then let your screen sleep in at least 30 minutes later than when you wake up. That is going to be super helpful in you ending your day well, uh, being able to reflect on your day, even being quality of sleep, and then to start your day. Um, it's going to be so helpful. I would add to tables and bedtimes. Um, oh, yeah, so, so tables. Uh, let's talk about that one quickly. Like, just make it a thing that around your dinner table, there's no screens. We just set those aside. Maybe we put them in a separate place. If families and, and individuals with friends can reclaim dinner where we eat together and have conversation and tell stories and listen, that is going to be huge in the endeavor of human flourishing. Um, that that uh, New Year's Day talk that I gave that's online, um, two tools. I shared about word of the year, but also high-low buffalo. So it's not super deep thing, but it, the idea is we need to learn, relearn just how to talk to one another and engage with one another. So our tables can be those spaces. Keep the, keep the phones off the table. Keep the phones out of the bedroom. I'd also add to this consideration of, of your car, your vehicle. Our commute time uh, with people can be redeemed for meaningful conversation. Really about seven minutes is what it takes for a conversation to start getting a little deeper. That's kind of when we work through the formalities. And so one of the things I really enjoy is taking my daughter to school. This is the last year where I'll probably do that. And our commute is about 12 minutes. And when we're focused and present, that is some of our best time of connecting. So why not set that as a precedent of the tone? Let car time be conversation time. Maybe some other ideas come up for you, but let's drive some stakes in the ground around our usage of screens. Next, accountability. Apply filters and settings. So um, the quote from TechWise, there's a quote there that says, streaming into our homes and onto our phones, accounting by most widely cited estimate, or they account for 30% of all internet traffic um, Oh, pornography provides and portrays a world where sex is easy. So 30% of all internet traffic is pornographic in nature. And um, so we would be wise to really consider some filters and settings around our use of technology. Um, in TechWise, they encourage, you know, spouses have one another's passwords. Parents have total access to children's devices. We are, this is an uphill battle that we're going to fight. And even well-intentioned people are stumbling upon all sorts of things that are having a negative impact on their lives. I started a, a Facebook conversation about this on our Mosaic Online community Facebook group. So if you're new to our community, we can invite you to that. Because Maris and I, uh, we've had conversation, but we've not fully rounded the corner. So we are, there's a liability in our home right now that we need to button up and shore up. I wanted to do that, uh, find the right filter before giving this talk so I could say, yes, we, this is what we do. 
but we're still researching that and there's so many options, it's overwhelming. So let's continue that community conversation. Um, how can we protect as best we can? And the nature of addiction, uh, if there is an addiction to, to pornography or, or something like that, it, it tends to be able to go around these, these filters and these boundaries we put up, but those boundaries at least slow down that process. So I think it's an important thing to consider as a faith community and in our families. R, ride, practice, drive. So they encourage to use a driver's ed approach to tech training. Um, so we need to strengthen our ability to be present with one another in the midst of our digital age. Um, so we need to walk alongside one another, especially our kids, and help them because these tools are, are very powerful. I was, uh, we took Kate driving for the first time yesterday, which was very, very fun, but also a bit stressful. Um, so when, when I got in the car with her, we both had a very clear sense of the danger involved with what we're doing, right? We're using this piece of technology that's very, very heavy, that could like kill someone, kill us if it gets out of hand. Um, so we had that, that palpable sense of the danger of the technology. However, that palpable sense of danger is not as clear when it comes to screens and digital media, but it's still there. So we need to be very intentional in how we you know, ride with, practice with, and then allow and help our kids to drive. One thing that's interesting as a parent, um, it seems like in all generations past, there were mentors, guides who had been there, done that to help shepherd the next generation. But think about this technology. Our kids know it better than us. They actually know what's out there more than us. Like we joke around, Facebook's for old people, uh, Snapchat chat is for young people, and then something we don't even know what it is is for 14-year-olds, right? So we, we really have to be intentional uh, with how we shepherd and parent. And again, this applies to all of us, not just parents. And finally, time well spent. So we use screens for a purpose and we use them together rather than using them aimlessly and alone. That's also from TechWise. So uh, we need to bring care and attention. So there's a, there's a qualitative difference between churning on the K-State TCU game because I've wanted to watch that, I'm invested, we're connecting, and then just mindlessly churning on a random NFL playoff game that I don't care about, Right? There's a, there's a difference there. It's not real clear black and white. I think Josh had pointed out, these aren't black and white things. This is good, this is bad. There, there's a lot of wisdom needed to be developed here. So uh, they, in TechWise, he also says, we want to create more than we consume. So fill the center of your home with things that reward skill and active engagement. Um, a couple of the best decisions Maris and I made through the pandemic and it was hard because, you know, finances are tied and all this stuff. We bought a trampoline and we bought a telescope because we're like sensing that screens are just going to dominate that time. I mean, the schools are handing all the kids an iPad. Uh, the, in TechWise, they encourage you not to put screens in your kids' hands until they're 10 years old or older. Um, I'm not saying, I mean, consider that. But our schools are literally handing them out. So I think that was a good, that was a good call on our part. Get active creative, engaged. We just bought ourselves a ping pong table, uh, which I've 
It's kind of tight. It's like, are we going to spend that money? But yes, we need to engage physically with one another. So by the way, I'd like to have a tournament, and I challenge. <laughs> so let's, let's, let's uh, really think deeply about the, the time that we're investing, whether we're using uh, media. We can connect online, but offline is so good. I'm going to invite the worship band up. And I, th- I thought it was interesting in Andy Crouch's book, he has a whole chapter on why singing matters. So in this little, little book, he has a whole chapter dedicated to, we need to relearn how to sing together. And um, I thought that was interesting. You know, um, we're getting ready to sing a new, a new to us song called Simple Gospel. And as we sing this, I want you to think about and consider all the ways that technology is being used, even in this moment. We've got amplification. We've got, we're on folks online. Hello, if you've tuned in online, which is better than nothing, although we would love to be in person with whoever those, those folks are. Uh, we're, we're amplifying the music, and all of this is great. But let's not just passively consume, right? The point is for technology to help and to aid us uh, in whatever we're doing. So let's let it be that tool, that aid, and to really, uh, there's going to be a part, uh, we haven't talked about this, so in the refrain, um, where I, I would encourage us, let's listen for one another's voices. Let's allow this technology just to be, be an aid to really move us to worship. And so on this refrain, we're going to sing, I will rejoice in the simple gospel. I will rejoice in you, Lord. So I invite you to, to stand with us. Maybe feel your, you know, the take up space. Just be present with the fact that you are an embodied soul uh, at a certain time and point in history. And uh, we, we don't face uh, physical war in our area, but yet there's a spiritual battle that rages and technology is a part of that. My word of the year this year, I think we're getting some feedback here. I'd shared um, in that teaching about word of the year. So my word is awake because I've recognized this last year, I've just kind of, uh, there's been a lethargy, sort of a, uh, a fatigue. And I think a lot of it is related to screen usage. And so I want to awake to experience the fullness of life with my creator, but also with you my faith community, with my family, with my friends. So I invite you as well. Um, let's together establish these parameters so that we can also have a fighting chance to move towards spiritual formation and human flourishing. I'd love to pray for us. Father, thanks for this morning. Thank you for each who are gathered here physically in this space. Thanks for those who are tuning in online. We ask that you we would experience you as our good father and that we would experience your son as our shepherd, as our leader, as our guide, and that we would have a clear sense of your your spirit's direction in our lives. I pray for any who are here who don't yet know Christ. Maybe they have questions. I pray that you would give them the courage to reach out to you, even in the quiet moments of this song, to, to ask you, you know, are you real? Do you desire a relationship with them?
I pray that in 2023, our community can make great gains in this area of um, how we engage with technology, that we would use it for good and we would not be harmed by it. Thanks for, um, yeah, for sending your son to die on our behalf. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. This teaching was recorded by Mosaic Church in Manhattan, Kansas, where we're uniting people in the way of Jesus. For more resources like this, visit mosaicmhk.com.